It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, August 7, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Two candidates have filed to run for seats on Sitka School Board. Blossom Twitchell and Andrew Hames submitted their packets to the municipal clerk's office this week. Both candidates are incumbents, but very recent ones. They were appointed to the board back in June to fill vacancies created by the resignations of Dion Brady Howard and school board president Elias Erickson. Twitchell is a workforce development specialist with the Finkett and Haida Central Council. She manages the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families program, also known as TANF, from southeast Alaska from Sitka to Yakutat. Andrew Hames is a graduate of Sitka High who worked as a music teacher in Blackfoot, Idaho in the first part of his career, but has since resumed home to work in his family's grocery business as store manager at Seamart. Hames has been active in music education at the Sitka Fine Arts Camp since his return to town. This is Hames' first time running for public office. Twitchell ran unsuccessfully for the Sitka Tribal Council in 2019 and for the Sitka Assembly in 2018. Terms on the Sitka School Board are three years. The deadline to file is 5 p.m. Friday, August 7th in the Municipal Clerk's Office. Two seats are also open on the Sitka Assembly, and the Mayor's Chair is also up for grabs this year. The municipal election is Tuesday, October 6th. Officials in Sitka are working to develop a new color-coded system that will guide local response to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. The system will be consistent with recent recommendations from the state. At a press conference on July 28th, Governor Mike Dunleavy issued the color-coded mitigation guide for cities to use as they determine how to respond to increases or drops in coronavirus cases in their communities. It gives different recommendations for cities, businesses, and group gatherings, assessing risk level based on a case increase over a 14-day period. Dunleavy says this will give cities guidance as they decide how open or restrictive they want to be. Because there were questions as to whether local communities have the ability to um, uh, go before their, their councils or their assemblies and put in place uh, restrictions or advisories. The, the long and short of it is that local municipalities in Alaska, um, just like many, uh, m- uh, most of our states in lower 48, have that ability. At the Unified Command meeting Wednesday, City Administrator John Leach said he would be using that guide from the state to develop a color-coded system for Sitka to alert the community when risk levels change. And I think that saves us from having to go to the assembly table every time we want to, you know, put a restriction on large gatherings, let's say. Um, it, it's right here on the mitigation guide that the state's pushed down as guidance, and then we can publish, hey, we had this many, or this was our case average over 14 days, that puts us in moderate hey businesses and citizens here's here's how we're supposed to respond to that leach also said the city is considering purchasing its own testing equipment leach said the equipment would cost around eighty thousand dollars and would provide just under 60 tests a day the test would be reserved for first responders and critical city staff leach said they would still need to iron out the details on who would run the machine search still provides free asymptomatic testing to community members on the weekends hospital spokesperson megan bosak said last weekend around 126 sitkins received free tests a global pandemic may not be the best time to open a craft brewery or maybe it is in sitka a defunct brewery is once again bubbling with the sounds and smells of malt and barley new owners hope that a professional brewer will rekindle the town's thirst for local beer KCAW's Aaron McKinstry dropped by the newly renovated taproom and has this report. The only signs that Harbor Mountain Brewing Company is opening in the middle of an international emergency are bottles of hand sanitizer and signs requesting mask wearing and social distancing scattered throughout the taproom. 
head brewer and co-owner Zach Anderson is standing on a stepladder above a stainless steel tank in the brew house when I arrive. Yeah. I'm currently making a double IPA, um, just a hobby, I guess, seven and a half percent beer. It's the day before they're set to open to the public, and they're still unsure how everything will pan out in the middle of a pandemic. But Anderson seems calm and excited. This isn't his first rodeo. He's been brewing professionally for about five years, starting in Oregon and then most recently as the head brewer at Devil's Club in Juneau. They gave me a lot of freedom there and was able to kind of do whatever I wanted for the most part. I mean, I learned a lot about the quality of flavor. When Anderson heard that Sitka's second attempt at a brewery in recent years, Baranoff Island Brewing Company, or Bibco, went under last fall after nearly a decade in business, he saw an opportunity for professional growth. Brewing itself, as far as in Alaska, there isn't much of an industry. So for me to kind of move move up and do kind of more of what I'd like to as far as the artwork of brewing, you know, this was something that I was investigating. Anderson soon met the investors who thought, like him, that Sitka could sustain a brewery despite past failures. Bibco defaulted on over half a million dollars in city loans. It isn't entirely clear why the popular, widely distributed brewery struggled to make ends meet, but some pointed to rapid expansion made possible by crowdfunding, conflict within management, and related quality issues. Sitkin and businessman Gary Smith invested in Bibco and is now a co-owner of Harbor Mountain Brewing Company. We actually really love how Bibco kind of started this with showing Sitka that um, what a brewery is and how it's a community gathering place and it's not, I mean I like bars too, but it's just a different environment, you know, we can bring people bring their kids and hang out. After they closed, Smith said people kept coming to him trying to figure out how to keep Sitka's brewery scene alive. When he and other investors met Anderson earlier this year, they thought that with his experience, another attempt might just work. They purchased Pipco's assets from the city and started renovating the space. And then the pandemic hit. Some days we said, God, this is like the worst time ever we could have done this. Or is it? Sitkins have been without a local beer now long enough to miss it. And Anderson already knows what they like to drink. You know, the, the positives are... You know what, you know the history a little bit. You know kind of what they were doing. You know, there's a niche for certain flavors. It seems like everyone wants spruce tips and root beer. But he did have to change some of the equipment to fit his brewing style, and it's more work to distinguish themselves. Some of the stigma of the previous branding, I mean, branding's a big part of it, so being in the same location, um, it's just, it's gonna take time, but so they can kind of think of Harbor Mountain Brewing Company as opposed to Bibco or the previous. For now, he says they'll take it slow. They're offering growler and crowler fills and are working on distributing kegs to local businesses and customers. They'd love to bottle or can in the future and distribute outside of Sitka, but they also want to make sure they have a model that works and beers that work. Uh, so just left to right on the board is kind of what I did. So the first one's Grisette, second one is an IPA, and that's oatmeal stout. Okay. He sets down a three-glass flight on the table in front of me. A grisette is a light farmhouse-style beer, he explains. All of the beers have a clean, simple taste. Ooh, yum. I like the oatmeal stout. And that's what Anderson was going for. He wants to start with some crowd-pleasers and then venture into some funkier brews, like a Saison aged in wine barrels. And yes, they are planning to have both spruce-tip beer and root beer soon.
Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry. Harbor Mountain Brewing Company's tap room is now open to the public Wednesday through Friday from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., Saturday 2 to 8 p.m., and Sunday 1 to 5 p.m. Commercial gill netters in the Upper Lynn Canal have had a difficult fishing season. Between the time constraints, low prices for fish, and a weak chum salmon return, many local fishermen have struggled to make a profit this summer. KHNS's Henry Leisure reports. On a wet Tuesday afternoon, the local gillnet fleet returns to the Haines Small Boat Harbor. The two-day window for commercial gillnetting in the Lynn Canal has closed for the week. As they step off their boats onto the docks, most of the commercial fishermen are reluctant to talk about how the season has been. One man jokes that he is going to go home and cry. As he fillets fish on his boat, local fisherman Norm Hughes explains that there just aren't a lot of chum salmon this year. The chums are surprised that uh, that they returned at such a uh, reduced level and they were really small, so something's going on in the ocean, in my opinion, but that's worth about as much as this cut bait here. A lot of Haines gillnetters rely on hatchery chum salmon released by Douglas Island Pink and Chum, better known as Dipak. Southeast Alaska fishermen have caught 640,000 Dipak chum salmon this summer, and according to Fish and Game, the run is essentially over. The harvest has been far below Dipak's projection of 1.6 million chums. According to an update on Dipak's website, the poor return has been shocking because the fry released in the years leading up to 2020 were healthy and numerous. Hughes says he doesn't just fish for salmon, but some newer fishermen aren't so lucky. But at least I have a crab permit, and uh, I can do that. A lot of these guys, that's the gillnet permit's all they got. They're getting started in life, and they're got a boat and a permit, and that's all they got. Across the board, the COVID-19 pandemic has disrupted demand for seafood, and fishermen are facing lower prices for their catch. Some relief funds are available. The state is offering business grants to commercial fishermen, and the federal government is offering payroll protection loans for crew members. The Hainsboro has also offered to help cover moorage fees. Hughes says he hasn't applied for any relief funding yet because he's still weighing his options. He's not sure if applying for a certain grant would make him ineligible for other funding and which forms of economic relief would make the most difference for him. And he says right now he doesn't have time to do that research. I'm busy chasing pots. I'm busy fishing net. You know, I got to repair the net, got to ice the boat, got to fuel the boat, got to clean the hatches, got to get the grub. Locally, the sockeye salmon runs to Chilkat and Chilkoot Lake are starting to pick up. About 40,000 fish have been counted at Chilkoot Lake, exceeding Fish and Game's lower escapement goal. Sockeye returns to Chilkat Lake are a bit below average, but recent flooding and water current reversals have led to lower counts. Subsistence fishing has started to pick up in Lutak Inlet, but the area is still closed to commercial fishing. In Haines, I'm Henry Leisha. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.